Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the, uh, our first midweek Advent service. Uh, the first of three, we'll do it this week, next Wednesday, and the Wednesday after that. The week after that, um, we won't have a Wednesday Advent service. We will have, uh, oh man, I, yes, Friday evening is going to be our Christmas Eve service at 11.30. Saturday morning is Christmas morning, uh, 9 o'clock worship, and then Sunday uh, service at regular times. Uh, meanwhile, tonight after the service, um, uh, Jen has some uh, dessert prepared for us downstairs. So once we uh, meet here, we can all head down there and spend some time with each other and uh, eat the good food that Jen brought us. So uh, go ahead and stand with me, and we'll begin worship. The Lord Almighty grant us a quiet night and peace at the last. Amen. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to herald your love in the morning, your truth at the close of the day. Please stay standing for the first hymn.
Let's confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Holy and gracious God, I confess that I have sinned against you this day. Some of my sin I know, the thoughts and words and deeds of which I am ashamed. But some is known only to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask forgiveness. Deliver and restore me that I may rest in peace. By the mercy of God, we are redeemed by Jesus Christ, and in Him we are forgiven. We rest now in His peace and rise in the morning to serve Him. Amen. You may be seated. The Old Testament reading, uh, which uh, this was the reading for this past Sunday, and it's the sermon text for tonight. Jeremiah 33, 14-16. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Epistle reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For consider your calling, brothers, Paul says. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom and our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Please stand for the gospel reading. This is, a, uh, this is the Beatitudes. It's a classic uh, Advent text because it's got, this, it's, it's got built into it this great hope for the future that all the things that are broken now will someday be fixed. And Jesus opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. So if, you, if you'll flip back in the bulletin to the Old Testament reading in Jeremiah 33, uh, verses 14 through 16, and um, uh, let me introduce it this way. In, in the middle of Jeremiah here, there's uh, three characters. There's three characters that you've got to know. The first is uh, the prophet Jeremiah, who's you know, uh, preaching the book, writing the book. Uh, Jeremiah, in, in, throughout, the, throughout the book of Jeremiah, uh, if you're not aware of this, he, he's living right at the end of the city of Jerusalem and the end of Solomon's temple. It's about to be destroyed. Uh, Babylon, for much of Jeremiah, it has surrounded the city and is going to blow it up, uh, and they do, in 586 B.C. Jeremiah, the prophet, one of his main jobs is to tell the people of Israel, you have to give up. You've disobeyed God. He's abandoned his temple. The Babylonians are going to come in here and they're going to destroy it. You have to trust God and surrender. Do not try to hold out. And that's his job, and he's by and large unsuccessful because they don't listen to what he says. This is one of the heartbreaking things about Jeremiah and his ministry is the big old book in the Bible. Nobody listens to him. He ends up, uh, um, he ends up getting martyred uh, in Egypt where he's taken after what he predicted came true, and Babylon destroys the city. Uh, 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 Jewish tradition tells us that a bunch of people who didn't like Jeremiah, instead of leaving him in Jerusalem, to be rescued by the Babylonians, uh, he's taken down to uh, Egypt where, where they end up martyring him. He's by and large unsuccessful. Here he is preaching this. Uh, God has abandoned his temple. Do not trust the temple. You have to stop trusting the temple. It's not going to save you. The second main character is this guy, Zedekiah. Now, Zedekiah is the last king of the Jews. Zedekiah is the reason why the Babylonians are going to blow up Jerusalem because Zedekiah has revolted against them uh, for the last time. Uh, Zedekiah was installed there uh, by Babylon. He was, he was in the line of David. He was one of the sons of David. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar set Zedekiah up with the understanding that, Zedekiah, you're going to be nice and play ball. You're not going to revolt. You're going to send the taxes off to Babylon, and you're going to take care of Jerusalem for us, and everything's going to be fine. You can have your temple. You can have your city. You just have to submit to me. And Zedekiah, he tries it for a while. He actually, he actually takes a trip to Babylon at one point and kind of, you know, nice peaceful envoy. But at a certain point, he's like, no, we need to revolt. And when we revolt, God will deliver us. Jeremiah says, no, that's not going to happen. I'm going to read a, a, a couple verses from you. Our text is in ch chapter 33. 
Let me read a few verses in chapter 32 just to introduce you to this guy, Zedekiah. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the tenth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the eighteenth year of Nebuchadnezzar. At that time, the army of the king of Babylon was besieging Jerusalem. And Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the guard that was in the palace of the king of Judah. So while Babylon is besieging Jerusalem, Zedekiah has had Jeremiah thrown in prison because he's been rebellious. Here's why. Because Zedekiah, king of Judah, had imprisoned him, saying, Why do you prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I'm giving this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall capture it. Zedekiah, king of Judah, shall not escape out of the hand of the Chaldeans, but shall surely be given into the hand of the king of Babylon, and shall speak with him face to face and see him eye to eye. And he shall take Zedekiah to Babylon, and there he shall remain until I visit him, declares the Lord. Though you fight against the Chaldeans, you shall not succeed. That's Zedekiah quoting Jeremiah's prophecy. So so Zedekiah is like, this is bad politics, man. You're supposed to be on our side. You're supposed to be loyal to the Jews. Why are you prophesying against me and saying that I'm going to get captured? Uh, After chapter 33, let me read a couple verses from chapter 34. This is basically kind of a little bit of a repeat from what we just read. Uh, The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army and all the kingdoms of the earth under his dominion, and all the peoples were fighting against Jerusalem and all of its cities. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, go and speak to Zedekiah, king of Judah, and say to him, thus says the Lord, behold, I'm giving this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall burn it with fire. You shall not escape from his hand, etc. So Zedekiah throws Jeremiah in prison, lets him out, and God says, go back and tell Zedekiah that I'm going to have him captured, and this city's going to burn. Jeremiah's constantly going back to Zedekiah, Zedekiah, his, uh, his arch nemesis, to deliver this message from God that you're not going to be successful. Zedekiah, of course, does not like this. He knows that Jeremiah is respected by the people, but he can't have any sort of like treasonous, anti-kingdom preaching going on. So these are two main characters, Zedekiah and Jeremiah, and they're opposed to each other throughout the whole book. But now that this text introduces us to a third character, this guy here in chapter 33, verse 15, in those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch. So that's kind of Isaiah language. Jeremiah's almost certainly got that from Isaiah. And it's no, this notion of a family tree and a branch off of David's family tree is going to grow and it's going to be big and strong and powerful. David's line is going to survive. And he's gonna, uh, this, is, this guy's going to execute justice and righteousness in the land. He's going to be the true king. So, so, Another way that it's, for, it's posed here, you know, Zedekiah, bad king, this future branch of David, good king, is this. <clears throat> Zedekiah's name, and, and the Jews were people who gave names that had meanings uh, that were you know, designed to have theological content to them, whether it's Abraham, father of many nations, or Abimelech, uh, my father is the king, uh, all, all these kinds of names. Zedekiah is a name like that too. In fact, Zedekiah uh, Zedek, the first part, is the Hebrew word for righteousness. Ah, at the end, is short for Yahweh, Yah. Zedekiah, in Hebrew, means my righteousness is Yahweh. And one of the things Jeremiah is doing in the verses that we read tonight is saying, that's fake, man. You're a poser. You're trusting in yourself. You're trusting in your own political abilities. You're trusting in your own righteousness. But when the righteous branch comes... What, what the city is going to be called at that point, look down at verse uh, 16. This is the name by which Jerusalem will be called, the Lord is our righteousness, which is actually what Zedekiah means. Zedekiah means my righteousness is Yahweh. Jeremiah says the name of the city is going to be what your name should mean, but it's fake. 
on that day, Yahweh will be our righteousness. Jeremiah is not all doom and gloom. It's definitely doom and gloom. But he sees this future where there's going to be this third main character, this branch of David who's going to come and make all things right. And the scope of that, when Jeremiah sees it, he sees it like as being universal. It's huge. Our problems are small here in Jerusalem now. I mean, they're big for us. But when the Messiah comes, he's going to fix everything. He's going to fix everything. And that's the world that you and I live in too, right? I mean, we live in a world with, with uh, injustice and, and pain, whether it's physical pain or mental pain, uh, grief, uh, struggling with sickness and loneliness, struggling with sin, struggling with a world that's opposed to the message of Jesus Christ. We live in a world like that, and one of the best things about Advent is that we get to say to each other, God is going to fix everything. Jesus is going to come and fix everything. So let me just really quick, this will take us five minutes. Let me just show you how big the scope is in these three verses. God fixes everyone, God fixes everything, and God fixes everywhere. So first of all, in verse 14, God fixes everyone. Behold, the day is coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. God makes a promise to the house of Israel and house of Judah. Well, if you haven't boned up on your Old Testament history yet, you'll know that in the year 586 B.C. when this is happening, Israel, which he mentions here, has been destroyed for over 100 years. All that's left is Judah. The Assyrians, 120 years before this, wiped out Israel. It doesn't actually exist. There are no more Israelis. They've been shipped out of Israel and forced to intermarry with other nations. The, the, the early Samaritans are there, but there's no more Israelis. That part of Israel's history is gone, but yet here Jeremiah says that when the righteous branch comes, he's going to get it back. He made promises to Israel, and he's going to get them back. Part of living in a broken world is broken relationship. And a lot of you, all of us, have people that we know in our lives that we've had relationships with before, but now they're shattered and they're broken. People that you, people that you wish you knew better, but you can't because maybe there's a personality difference or maybe it's somebody who just lives far away. People that you're mourning that used to be with you and they've passed away and they're gone. Relationships that are, are now inaccessible for whatever reason. Maybe it's sin, maybe it's personality, maybe it's location, maybe it's death that separated us. God is going to restore these relationships. When the, when, the, when the righteous branch comes back, he's coming back to fix everybody. The scope is universal. He's going to make all things new. And he's going to restore all the relationships that he wants us to have. The past relationships that you had, the future relationships that you haven't had yet, but are going to be beautiful. The relationships that you haven't had because of a lack of locate, you know, just a, a lack of opportunity, but they would definitely benefit you. God is going to bring all of his people together and make them one again. He's not just restoring everyone, he's restoring everything. Look at verse 15. In those days and at that time I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. I know that for a lot of us, justice and righteousness are almost meaningless buzzwords, maybe cliche words, and I probably say them too much from the pulpit. Let me just reiterate that, that justice and righteousness is key theme of the Bible. And the reason why is because we live in a world now where there is no justice and righteousness, except in fits and starts. God gives us a little foretaste of them here and there. But by and large, we live in a world where you go to work and you do a good job and it doesn't get noticed. You go to work and you do a good job and somebody else gets the credit for it. We live in a world where you try to do what's right and you end up getting misrepresented. We live in a world 
where bad people get rewarded and good people get punished. We also live in a world where we reward bad people and punish good people. We live in a world where we're guilty of misrepresenting people. We live in a world where I myself am guilty of giving credit to people who the credit shouldn't go to and ignoring the people who should get the credit. We live in a world that's completely filled with justice and, uh, injustice and unrighteousness. And, and there's no way to heal that. I mean, the politicians will tell you that they can make that sort of thing good. People of power and influence. You, you yourself will look yourself in the mirror and say, we lie to ourselves. We, 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 we claim, and I I, when I look at myself in the mirror in the morning, I think that I'm just. The problem with me is all the unjust people around me. None of that works. What's going to happen, though, Jeremiah says, is that the righteous branch is going to come and he's going to make the world a completely just and righteous place. The world that you live in right now is not the world that will always be. Jesus is going to come and make all things new. It's not just everyone that, that, that uh, um, is restored. It's not just everything that's restored. It's everywhere that's restored as well. Look at the location language in verse 16. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which, I believe he means Jerusalem, will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. God isn't just determined to rescue you individually and you spiritually. God's determined to rescue cities. God's determined to rescue countries. God's determined to rescue this church. God's determined to rescue every square inch of his creation. You see, the scope of, the scope of Advent, the hope of Advent, is this universal scope. That there's not one square inch of you personally, your body or your soul, there's not one square inch of Glen Carbon or indeed the whole world that Jesus does not claim for his own and say, hang on, my beloved, I'm coming to rescue it. Please stand with me and let's pray. Let's pray together. The, pr the prayer is in your bulletin here. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. In righteousness I shall see you. When I awake, your presence will give me joy. Be present, merciful God, and protect us through the hours of this night so that we who are wearied by the changes and chances of life may find our rest in you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Taught by our Lord and trusting His promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Bless you and keep you. Amen.
This is no earth.